and welcome back to Ball With Y'all. My name is Sean Johnson, today is Thursday, and you know what that means. We've got a loaded show for you all today. So glad to have you joining us today. As always, if you support our mission here at Ball With Y'all, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review if your preferred platform allows, so we can continue to grow and improve our program. Also, you can check us out on Instagram now, uh, at Ball With Y'all Podcast, for some more content throughout the week. We're so thankful to have all of your support here in our debut season, and we're pumped for some stuff we've got out the pipeline as well. Listen, it's already been a busy week here in the college sports world. Let's dive right into it. First off, earlier this week, I believe it was on Monday, we saw USC, the USC Trojans, they fired their head coach, Clay Helton, after just two games into the 2021 season. Listen, USC is in shambles once again. This is not the first time, of course, they've had to fire a head coach in the past 10 years or so. The last few years, in my opinion, has kind of felt like I've been watching a never-ending Schitt's Creek episode. If you're familiar with Schitt's Creek, it's a pretty fun series on Netflix. I don't necessarily know that I'd recommend watching it. I didn't really think it was all that funny, but that's aside from the point here. Schitt's Creek, a number of characters on there. You've got David, Alexis, and so on. I was reminded in watching this USC story unfold of Alexis. She's one of the main characters in the show, and she just keeps cycling through potential partners. She's going on dates. She's going through dating apps, and she just can't find the right guy. She finds someone. She thinks it's the next guy. She thinks it's the right guy. She gets obsessed. She totally buys in, right? And then she kind of gets tired of it and realizes that they're not the right one for her. And in the same way, you look at USC with... Clay Helton, of course, he's been the interim a couple times there, I believe. They fired Kiffin on the tarmac. They got rid of Ed Orgeron. And now, of course, we're at Clay Helton getting fired finally in what I believe was his sixth year coaching the Trojans. Of course, this came after a terrible performance against the Stanford Cardinal this past weekend. A week after Stanford got dismantled by the Kansas State Wildcats, a game that was not pretty. And of course, USC was coming into the Stanford game as a heavy favorite and got blown out of the water. It was not a pretty sight to behold. Of course, some of you might have missed it given the kickoff time for that game. I believe it was a late game that night, but still an ugly performance, and it kind of makes sense. There were numerous fans calling for Clay Helton's firing, and it finally happened on Monday. Now, of course, the associate head coach, Dante Williams, he'll be serving as the interim coach moving forward, and the hope is that they can salvage the season. It's crazy to think they were a ranked team about 10 days ago, not even less than that, a week ago. And now they're hoping to just salvage their season. They were even a popular pick by some to win their conference. And now, of course, the road ahead is not too bright. Like I said, Williams, he is the interim, although it does not appear that he will be the head coach pick beyond this season. USC has a history of naming an interim coach and then moving forward with someone else. There's been a number of names that have been brought up. You think of Matt Campbell over at Iowa State, Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, James Franklin at Penn State, Kyle Whittingham at Utah. There's also been some SEC guys mentioned with Mark Stoops at Kentucky, the Kentucky head coach, as well as Bill O'Brien, the Alabama offensive coordinator. And one interesting name, of course, we see him a lot when it comes to head coaching openings. Eric Bieniemy. he is the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. He's been getting some buzz as well. Again, this is a prominent role. The USC role is a prominent position. You do not want to give this to some run-of-the-mill coach that hasn't necessarily proven themselves. So it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. If you're a USC fan, there is a bright side, though. You get first pick. 
a number of names are being mentioned, right? Like I said, and having fired your head coach first, you now have the opportunity to be the first one to pick whoever's available. And that's important from a recruiting standpoint. And that's important from a, from a stability standpoint, USC cannot afford to fall behind. So in some ways it kind of makes sense that they made this decision so early on. On a somewhat lighter note, you might've seen uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks, University of Arkansas, was fined $100,000 after storming the field this past weekend. If you're unfamiliar, the SEC sometimes likes to deflate the balloon a little bit, even after a big win like the one that Arkansas had this past weekend. If you're not familiar, the SEC doesn't like it when you storm the field. They have put in place progressive penalties so that it discourages storming the field and getting fans on the field and so on. It's more of a safety thing from my understanding. And those funds, those fines, uh, they end up going to the SEC Postgraduate Scholarship Fund. So they do go somewhere with a good cause, but it's always a little bit annoying sometimes for the athletic departments that have to pay the penalties. If I'm an Arkansas fan, though, you know, you hate to get fined, but I'm kind of okay with it. This was one of the biggest moments in Arkansas history, I would say probably since 2015, when they beat Ole Miss on that wild fourth down conversion, I believe it was an overtime game. That actually kicked Ole Miss out of the conference championship picture. They beat their longtime rival here in the form of Texas, 40-21, to and it was not pretty. They demolished them on each side of the ball, and of course now they're back in the top 25 as a result. So if I'm an Arkansas fan, yes, it sucks to get fined, but also I'm kind of okay with it. Now, again, I'd probably like to avoid storming the field moving forward to avoid further penalties, but you never know what might happen down in Fayetteville. Other things that are happening, some injuries to note moving forward. First off, big one for the Alabama Crimson Tide, Will Anderson. He's a linebacker for the Tide. He's one of their most impressive pass rushers and run stoppers on that defensive side of the ball. He had a little bit of a knee injury against Mercer last week. Right now, he's considered day-to-day. He hopes to play against the University of Florida this weekend. Uh, Saban seemed to indicate that there was a a lot of positivity surrounding him, and, and it really does seem like he might show up on Saturday. But if he doesn't, keep an eye on that position. They're already short Chris Allen on the, the linebackers' side of things. And yeah, they'll, they can survive without Will Anderson, but it'd probably be to their benefit if they could have a top pass rusher in the form of Anderson. He wreaks havoc in the backfield on passers, running backs, and so on. So keep an eye on that one moving forward. If he doesn't play this weekend, I don't think it's the end of the world per se, but I do think it'll be something to keep an eye on, especially moving forward if he doesn't heal quite so quickly. Another key injury taking place in the SEC, you had Texas A&M's quarterback, Haynes King, a freshman this year, going out there. He got hurt against the Colorado Buffaloes. He had to have surgery earlier this week to repair a fractured leg. In his place will be quarterback Zach Calzada. We saw him play a good bit against the Colorado Buffaloes. A little uncomfortable back there given the situation that he found himself in. I don't think it's a big issue right now, but of course they do have Arkansas next week. So keep an eye on that. Expect Haynes King to come back at some point this year, but not quite sure what that looks like. Jimbo Fisher was a little indecisive. He was a little indirect in those comments and didn't really give a clear picture as to when we can expect King to be back. Another key injury, I think this one will probably be the least of the worries moving forward. JT Daniels, of course, he was kept out of the UAB game this past weekend. He was he was warming up before the game, and he looked comfortable. It does appear that he'll be playing this Saturday. 
against the South Carolina Gamecocks, but we also saw Stetson Bennett the fourth do quite well in his place. But if you're a Georgia fan, you probably want JT Daniels back. So keep an eye on that as well, especially if he does come back. How good does he look? How comfortable does he look back there for the Bulldogs? So that's our updates for the week. Let's now get into our game predictions for this weekend. Looking at week one, like I talked about last week, we did not do so well. We were one and five against the spread and two and four straight up. Last week, though, did a lot better. We were four and six against the spread and six and four straight up. So right now we are we're, we're doing pretty well. We got better last week on the season. We're five and 11 against the spread and we are eight and eight straight up. If you think about this thing in a positive light, think about baseball. In baseball, if you're a Hall of Famer, you're batting 300, right? You just got to keep swinging, but as long as you get to 300, you're doing just well. Right now, we're batting 300 against the spread, so I'll take it. And we're batting 500 straight up, so we are doing well, and we are moving in the right direction. So let's take a look at this week's eight most notable games. First off, we'll start off with the big noon kickoff. Nebraska visiting Oklahoma, renewing a rivalry that is... Pretty old. It's the 86th all-time matchup between the two schools. Oklahoma is a 22 and a half point favorite. Right now, the over/under is sitting at 61 and a half. Of course, the most recent game between these two schools saw Oklahoma beat Nebraska 23 to 20 in December of 2010. Nebraska has not done too well against the Sooners as of late. They only have won one game in their last six matchups against Oklahoma. Looking at the over-under, I do kind of expect the under to hit. Now, why is that? Well, the under has hit in six of Oklahoma's last eight games versus Nebraska, and it has hit in seven of Nebraska's last eight away games. So I'm expecting the score to be on the lower side and for that under to hit. The last time many of us watched Nebraska, though, it was an ugly game against Illinois, if you recall, when Brett Bielema went out there and won his first game for the Fighting Illini. Over the last couple weeks, Nebraska has turned it around, though. And quarterback Adrian Martinez, he has looked substantially better than the last time many of us saw him. Of course, we know Oklahoma can score points behind Spencer Rattler at quarterback and a litany of weapons across that side of the ball. And I don't really see Nebraska's defense stopping them from doing so. But if we learned anything from week one, when Tulane put up all those points against Oklahoma, yes, it was week one, but still, Tulane almost came away with a win there. Tulane put up a ton of points against that Oklahoma defense that we had heard was incredible. It wasn't all that incredible. So if Tulane can score that many points against this Oklahoma defense, I would not be surprised if Martinez can do the same for Nebraska. But I don't see it being enough for Nebraska to pull off the upset here. I don't necessarily see Nebraska getting blown out, though. I do think they will keep it competitive just to save face, for lack of better terms. I see Oklahoma winning and Nebraska covering with the under-hitting will go 37-24. Next up, we've got number 19 Arizona State, who is a three and a half point favorite, visiting the number 23 BYU Tigers. The over-under is sitting at 50 and a half ASU. They lead the series 20 to seven, with BYU winning the two most recent meetings about 23 years ago in 1997 and 1998. Statistically speaking, Arizona State is the far better team this year. But those numbers are kind of skewed because BYU has played substantially better opponents than have the Sun Devils. BYU, of course, beat a ranked Utah team last week, and they looked pretty impressive in doing so, 26-17. A win over the Sun Devils would give BYU consecutive 3-0 starts for the first time since 1952. On the Arizona State side of things, they have a very dynamic quarterback 
and he can hurt you through the air and on the ground. Of course, I picked Arizona State to win the Pac-12, and I still stand by that. This prediction doesn't really have any bearing on the Pac-12 record, so I will say that BYU is the better team here. You have to watch for a little bit of a letdown after a big win against their rival last week in Utah, but even still, I've got BYU winning and covering with the under-hitting 24-20. Now we've got Purdue visiting the number 12 Notre Dame Fighting Irish. There is a 7-point favorite. The over-under is sitting at 59 points. Notre Dame, of course, currently leads the series 56-26-2. They are on a five-game win streak in the series with the most recent game in 2014 going the direction of the Fighting Irish. Of course, we got to hear from Dylan from New Jersey earlier this week, and he talked a lot about Notre Dame and, and all their injuries and inconsistency and so on. And that's been a problem on both sides of the ball. Purdue is also, of course, undefeated, much like the Fighting Irish, but their wins have not exactly been that high caliber. They beat Oregon State and UConn, so not too strong there. They haven't been all that impressive, but their quarterback, Jake Plummer, has done rather well. He's thrown six touchdowns with zero interceptions. Those numbers are actually pretty comparable to one of our Heisman frontrunners in the form of Alabama's Bryce Young. The Fighting Irish defense, they will have to absolutely toughen up to win this game and come out on top. I think Notre Dame keeps it tight. For whatever reason, Notre Dame likes to play tight games and they like to give their fans a little bit of room for concern. But even still, I think they make just enough plays to win this game. I'll go Notre Dame winning with Purdue covering and the under hitting 23 to 17. Some other notable SEC games taking place this week. We've got Mississippi State, a three-point favorite, visiting the Memphis Tigers. The over-under is sitting around 58 and a half right now. This is the first meeting between the two schools since 2011. Mississippi State fans, they have been on an emotional roller coaster of sorts this year after the first two games. You had Louisiana Tech week one, tight game, went down to the absolute Wire versus NC State last week. They were an underdog, came away with a pretty prominent victory over a very prominent ACC program. In week two, Mississippi State quarterback Will Rogers, he threw nearly 50 passes against the NC State Wolfpack, and that Bulldog offense is pretty one-dimensional as a result. It works for now, though. It works for a Mike Leach team like that, and their defense held up just enough against NC State after a miserable showing in week one. On the other side, Memphis, they can put up a lot of points. They've shown this year that they are strong, much like past years, in putting up points on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, a lot of concerns, and that's not outside the ordinary for them. Just last week, the Tigers allowed 50 points to Arkansas State, including 582 passing yards as well. Mike Leach, against a bad defense, is not a good combination. It's a recipe for success for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So I expect Mississippi State to show up big. They win, they cover, and the over hits. I'll go Mississippi State winning 38-30. to Next up, we've got Stanford, a 10.5-point favorite at Vanderbilt. The over-under is sitting at 47.5 points. Of course, this is the smart bowl. This is the first ever matchup between these two programs that are known for their academic prowess. Stanford fans have also been on a bit of a roller coaster as of late. They start off with a rough start in week one with an ugly loss to Kansas State, 24-7. And then last week, as we talked about a little bit earlier with the Clay Helton firing, they got a big win against the, the then-ranked USC Trojans, forcing them to fire Helton. 
This is the first time that Stanford has been a double-digit favorite since 2018. So a lot of expectation here if you are a Cardinal fan. For Vanderbilt, they have also had their fair share of anxious moments this year. Vandy opened the season with a disastrous 23-3 loss against East Tennessee State. And then just last week, they snapped an 11-game losing streak at Colorado State. And that was also their first road win since, I believe, 2018. They had former Alabama kicker Joseph Bulovus on to kick the game-winning field goal up in Colorado. I'm not going to make this difficult. If you just look at the two teams, Stanford is decidedly better. And they haven't lost as a double-digit favorite since 2015. I think the Cardinal keep the momentum going, and they come out on top on the road. Let's go Stanford with the win, and covering, and the under-hitting, 24-9 Stanford. Next up, another big in-conference game. We've got South Carolina visiting the number two Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is a 30.5-point favorite. The over-under is sitting around 48.5 points right now. Of course, South Carolina, they're opening conference play with quite a doozy with the Georgia Bulldogs right here on the road. There's still some uncertainty for both teams when it comes to quarterback and the injuries that have come at that position. We talked about a little bit earlier for Georgia. On the Carolina side of the ball, you've got Luke Doty, who was the, the, the name starter. He was the presumed starter. He got injured a little bit just before the season started. They put in the grad assistant, Zeb Norland, as well as a result of that decision. And, of course, he's done a serviceable job to this point. On the flip side of it for Georgia, as we talked about, JT Daniels has been a little hampered with injuries, and Stetson Bennett IV showed up last week against UAB after a relatively dismal year last year. Georgia's defense has not given up a touchdown this year. Just let that sink in for a second. Georgia has played 120 minutes of football so far, and they have not given up a touchdown yet. They also haven't given up more than 200 yards on defense either, and think about who they've played so far. Of course, UAB last week, but the Clemson Tigers did not get over 200 yards against that Georgia defense. The Gamecocks, of course, they've shocked us before. Think about just two years ago, they played Georgia in Athens, came away with a win in what I believe was double overtime. Very impressive then, but I don't necessarily know that I see it this week. Last week's showing against Eastern Carolina wasn't exactly promising. You might think one, one point, at one point in time, Eastern Carolina was a really good team, and it's a quality win, but not now. It doesn't really matter who suits up for Carolina and also doesn't probably matter who suits up for Georgia when it comes to the quarterback position either. I see them just absolutely getting run over. The Bulldog offense will hum, the defense will continue its dominance, and Georgia will win easily. Let's go Georgia with the win, South Carolina with the cover, and the overhitting 42-13. to 13. Next up, we've got a game that I've had circled on the calendar for quite some time. The third ever meeting between these two schools, number 22 Auburn, number 10 Penn State. Penn State is a six-point favorite, and the over-under is sitting at 53 points. Auburn won the most recent game in the series, uh, but that came in 2003, so not a whole lot we can discern on that front. Of course, College Game Day will be in town. This is the big game of the week. You do not want to miss it. Let me say that again. You do not want to miss this game. Auburn has looked good offensively, but I'll put a little asterisk next to that because those two opponents so far have been Akron and Alabama State. This year, Auburn has outscored its opponents 122 to 10, like I said. Kind of unknown as to what that actually means given the quality of the opponents, but still pretty impressive. Penn State, of course, got a big win in week one against Wisconsin. 
and their defense, much like other Big Ten schools, is their calling card. The line has moved a little bit, actually, since the game first was announced by Vegas. At first, Penn State was a four-point favorite, and like I said, they are now up to a six-point favorite. So Vegas seems to like Penn State a good amount these days. I'd love to see Auburn lose here, right? We've talked a little bit about my biases coming into this. I'd love to see him lose. And apparently, the common thought process among bettors is that they see Auburn losing. But for some reason, I don't. I will take offense over defense here. I'll go Auburn winning and covering with the under hitting 28-17. to 17. Lastly, we got the SEC game of the week, the 330 slot on CBS. You all know this was going to be our final game for the week. We got number one Alabama, a 15-point favorite, visiting the number 11 Florida Gators. The over-under is sitting at 56 and a half. Of course, Alabama is on a seven-game win streak against the Florida Gators dating back to 2009, which was Tim Tebow's last SEC championship game. It's the first time Alabama has visited Gainesville since 2011. So a lot has changed for both programs since the last time these two teams faced off in Gainesville. As we've seen, Alabama's defense is much improved, and their offense is moving far better than any of us could have anticipated. Bryce Young is setting Alabama records for touchdown passes and so on. He has been rather impressive, to say the least, especially for many of us who didn't really know what to expect from him coming in as a starter this year, replacing Mac Jones and all those other weapons along that offensive side of the ball. Florida's defense gave up 20 points last week to a terrible USF team. So I definitely see Alabama putting up a good deal of points in this game. On the other side, though, I do see Florida moving the ball, especially if their backup quarterback, Anthony Richardson, plays. He was held up a little bit in practice this week due to a hamstring injury, but I do see him coming out a little bit. He's kind of a mini Cam Newton, if you will. So that could be interesting. That kind of quarterback has always given Alabama trouble. So if you're a Gator fan, you definitely want to see Anthony Richardson on the field at some point on Saturday. I firmly believe, though, that you play to the level of your competition. I believe that Florida played down to USF last week. I believe that Alabama kind of played down to Mercer last week. I believe both teams are going to play up this week, given the opponent that they're playing. You're going to see both teams, knowing that the spotlight is on them, performing to the best of their abilities. You're going to have scouts probably all through that stadium ready for the next NFL draft picks and so on. This is the big game that nobody wants to miss, and the players are going to play up to that expectation too. From a coaching standpoint, Dan Mullen, great coach, love him to death. He's never beaten Saban, and he's not going to do it here either. On both sides of the ball, I see that Alabama is substantially better and that they will win as a result. Youth and all, you know, they're a young team we've talked about before. Bryce Young hasn't necessarily been in a hostile environment like this, but even still, I see Bama winning and Bama winning big. I see them covering the overhitting 38-20. to So to recap, we've got Oklahoma, BYU, Notre Dame, Mississippi State, Stanford, Georgia, Auburn, and the University of Alabama. As we wrap up here, I just want to say it is great to get into the swing of things when it comes to these high-profile conference games this weekend, and I hope you're just as excited as we are for what will likely be yet another wild day of football. Enjoy the games this weekend, and enjoy your Saturday, and we will catch you all on Monday.